You are listening to sermons from the pulpit of the Bible Baptist Church in Marysville, California. We hope you will be blessed as you listen to another practical message. Carrying that song for us tonight. All right, we are in First Chronicles and brother, uh, brother Joshua, right? You survived the year, brother. Good job. You made it through. When I when I first met brother Joshua, we were uh, we were at a different camp. And they were going around uh, asking the different youth pastors there, how long have you been a youth pastor? He stood up and said, what was it, brother? One week, right? It was right there. <laughs> so everyone, everyone, we, we cheered you on, brother. You survived. Good job. All right, so get your Bibles. I'm going to need some young people to help me today with this message. Not for the entire time, and you won't be holding any chains. So... Uh, it'll be a little bit easier on you, not so much of a heavy message tonight, but I'm going to need some young people. Let's get our Bibles, go to the book of Chronicles, First Chronicles, and I'm going to start over here, and I need a young man, a birthday man. What's your name again? Joey. Joey. Come on up, Joey. You're going to be over here. We're going to start reading our Bibles, First Chronicles, chapter number one, verse number one. So stand right over here, okay, but right on the end, very good, right there, right there, okay? First Chronicles 1.1, one, one. not your typical text for a sermon, but you'll, you'll see where we're going in a minute, okay? Adam. That's the first word of the verse. That's it. Next word is Seth. Then Enos. Verse 2. Canaan. Mahalalel. Jared. Enoch. Oh, there's another one. All right. Uh, I need a, another young man from this side that can help me. A uh, young guy uh, about this age. Anybody over here? Anyone want to run up here and help me out real quick? Anyone want to do it? He might not want to do it. It's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll pass over, okay? Uh, anyone over here? All right, come on up, bud. Run over here. Come on over here. You're going to stand right next to this guy. Your name is Enoch. It's kind of funny because it has an H in front of it, but this is Enoch. We know a little bit about Enoch, okay? Then Methuselah, uh, Lamech, uh, then Noah. Who's a good Noah? I need a Noah. Anybody? Anybody Noah here? A young... Oh, right, right there. You can be Noah. Come on up. Come on up. You're, you're good. All right. We'll take, we'll take Mrs. Noah right here. <laughs> Don't fall, all right? All right, right there. You good? All right. Shh. All right, very good, very good. Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now, we're going to skip on down a little bit because it, it varies a little bit. Down to verse number uh, 24. We pick up with Shem again. Shem, then Arphaxad, and Shelah, and Eber, and Peleg. Who, who's Peleg? We need a Peleg here. Peleg, right in the back with a hand. Yeah, yeah, come on up. Your Peleg. Peleg, uh, that patch the pirate, Peleg the duck, I guess is who it is. All right, so we're, we're up here. You're Peleg. Stand right over here, please. Very good. Uh, we're keeping going in verse number 25. Reu, then Serug, Nehor, Terah, Abram. Okay, who's Abram? Okay, uh, Elisha, you be Abram. You come on up right over here. We have some more space for more people, so don't worry. You come on right over here. So, so far, are you getting what we're doing? We're reading through a list of names. Brother Reyes, what are we doing? You'll see. Okay, let's go to Matthew now. Going all the way over to Matthew, chapter number one. Uh, let's see, chapter number one, uh, verse number two. And Abraham, or Abraham, begat Isaac, and Isaac begat Jacob. Okay, where's a Jacob? I need a Jacob. Who looks like a good liar? All right, brother, you knew what was going on, didn't you? <laughs> all right, I'll take you right there. Come on up. Okay, right here, you'll be Jacob. Okay, uh, brother, I don't think we're having that, that discussion about identity tonight, brother. I don't think it's going to work. <laughs> All right, and uh, beget Judas. I need a, a Judas. This is not the bad Judas. This is the, this is the good Judas. All right, she can, she can be Judas. It's all right. Come on up. 
We'll be Judas right here for today. And you guys are just representing these people, so you'll, you'll get the idea in just a minute, okay? Uh, Jacob beget Judas uh, and his brethren, and then Judas beget Perez and Zayar of Thamar, and Perez beget Esram, and Esram beget Aram, and Ar I'm glad I'm not named Aram, you know, that'd be weird. And Aram beget Aminadab, that'd be even weirder. And Aminadab beget Nason or somebody, and Nason beget Solomon, and Salmon begat Boaz of Rahab. Okay, I need a Rahab real quick. Uh, right there, come on up. You'll be on this side. Okay, stand right over here, please. Okay. Oh, careful, careful. Rahab and Boaz uh, begat Obed of Ruth. Who's a good Ruth? Okay, right there in the back. Come on up. You're Ruth. Come on up to, for today. Okay, and, uh, and Obed begat Jesse. And Jesse begat David the king. Ooh, who's David the king? We're looking for David the king. Right there. You're a good David. Do you want to do it or do you want to not do it? It's up to you. We're, we cannot fail at this. We're, we're good, guys, okay? Come on up over here. We are David the king over here. Okay. And David the king begat Solomon. Solomon, right there in the green. Come on up. You're doing good. Come on. Quick, 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 quick. Solomon of her that had been the wife of Urias. And Solomon begat Rehoboam. I need a Rehoboam. Uh, one, okay, there you go. Right in the back. Come on with your hand up. Run, run, run. You're good. Come on up here. You're doing good. Uh, Rehoboam. All right. We're right on this side over here. Keep on coming. Climb up all the way the steps. Don't fall down, please. Okay. And then we have a whole lot more names. Rehoboam begat Abiah, and Abiah begat Asa, and Asa begat Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat began Joram, and Joram begat Osias. And, and you might recognize some of these names. They're spelled differently in the New Testament than they are in the Old Testament, but you should recognize some of this stuff. And Josiah begat Jotham, and Jotham begat Ahaz, and Ahaz begat Ezekiel, and Ezekiel begat Manasseh, and that, that's a famous one right there. We know something about Manasseh. And Manasseh begat Ammon, and Ammon begat Josiah, and Josiah, uh, we know something about Josiah too, okay? And Josiah begat Jeconias and his brethren about the time they were carried away to Babylon. And after that, they were brought to Babylon. Jeconias begat, uh, I'm not even going to attempt that one, um, or that one. Uh, let's skip on down to number uh, 16. How about that? And Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called the Christ. So here's what we're doing today. We have a bunch of people what we know something about. Man, I know something about Adam over there. Adam, you're famous. You did a lot of cool stuff in the Bible, okay? You, were, you lived to be 930 years old. Man, that's a lot of birthdays. That's pretty awesome, okay? Maybe in 930 years you might get what you want, okay? <laughs> no, this works out good. So we, we have him. We know something about him, okay? He's not a stranger to us. We know, here's the phrase, his story. We know his story. We know what happens. And we know the good. We know the bad. It's all there in the Bible. We know what happens. It's okay. We're, we're, we're good to go, okay? Uh, we know something about Adam. We keep on going. We know something about Enoch over there. What's special about, who can help, help me, what's special about Enoch? Who knows something about Enoch? Anything? We mentioned it this morning a little bit. Do you guys know what it is? He did not die. He was translated. That was the word. Very good. He was translated. The cool thing about Enoch, mister, is that you lived 365 years, kind of weird for the days of the year, really strange, and at 365 years, you just kind of went up somewhere. <laughs> we really don't know what happened to you. You were translated. You were taken to be with God, but that's your story. That's something pretty cool that happened. Didn't happen to anyone else until Elijah. So you and Elijah are like the only two guys that ever went that way. That was really, really cool. Next we have uh, Noah. Now, Mrs. Noah over here, she's doing a good job helping us know what's going on with, with Noah. Noah, we know something about Noah too. Noah had fun building a big boat. 
and then had a lot of fun taking care of animals for a half a year in that boat. I am glad I am not Noah, especially glad I wasn't Mrs. Noah because I'm sure there was some interesting stuff that happened during that whole time. All these people, and we're not going to go review every single one of them, but as we called them up, you should have known what was going on with their, their story. You, if you've been in church any amount of time, you know what happened with Abraham. Who's Abraham? I forget. You're Abraham, right? Uh, you, you were Abraham? Or you were Abraham? I think you were Abraham. I don't know. But as we called Abraham up, we all knew, oh, Abraham, the friend of God. Abraham that left his family, that left the, the land Ur, from Ur, and he came over to the new land, and he sojourned in this new land, and all these different things. We know something about all these people uh, from Rahab and from Ruth and from, from King David. You're King David, right? Man, King David's story is pretty awesome. If you read it, it's grotesque. It's, it's, it's horrible. It's a man's story. It's definitely a man's story. I mean, you kill a giant, you cut his head off, you hold it up, you get a wife. I mean, it is a great story, all right? All these different wonderful things happen all the way down the line. And every one of these people we recognized. And each one of them has a very specific story in their life. All right, you guys go ahead and be seated. Be careful on the steps, please. No one fall down. All right, everybody here that we read about has a story. So I have a quick question for all of us in the auditorium tonight. Whose story is it? We have Adam's got a great story. Noah's got a great story. Abraham's got a great story. Um, we, we mentioned, uh, what was it, Jacob's son, uh, Judah. He's got an interesting story. He went to jail for somebody else on purpose, voluntarily went for his younger brother. Oh, man, older brothers. I don't know if there's any older brothers in here that would go to jail for your younger brother on purpose. He did it. He volunteered for it. Okay, my son's saying, no, uh what's not going to happen? <laughs> so all these ones have their story. Whose story is it? Now, we went all the way from Adam all the way down to Mary and Joseph and to Jesus. Whose story is it? Here's a really cool phrase, all right? History is his story. It's all about him. It's not about me. It's not about Adam or Abraham or Noah or, or any of these. Okay, Peleg. You all recognize Peleg, right? No one knows the story about Peleg. The Bible has one phrase about him. Because in his days was the earth divided. Tower of Babel. Boom. Everyone's going everywhere. That was Peleg. He, that was in his life part of his story. Now, I'm sure it wasn't comfortable. I'm sure he didn't like it. I'm sure he might have lost some friends in the process. But it happened. It's part of his story. Uh, there's a lot of stories that could be told on this list. But the main character of everybody on this list is Jesus. So let's pray. We'll get into the message, something that we can use, hopefully, for our lives today, and we'll see how we get there. All right, we love you, Lord. Thank you for all that you've given to us. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for a good day on Sunday. Please help Pastor as he's out. Please help him to be a blessing wherever he is at and for him to return safe to his people here. We love you and thank you. Amen. All right, so it's all about him. Uh, this is the genealogy leading to Jesus, and there's, uh, I don't think there's anyone in this room that can trace your genealogy to Jesus. Uh, to, uh, to Jesus. <laughs> Nobody can trace their genealogy to Jesus. All right. They can trace your genealogy all the way back to Adam. I don't know if there's anyone in here. I've read one guy uh, on, uh, I think his name is not Kent Hovind. It's the Dr. Kent Ham. He's one of the creationist guys, okay? He can trace his lineage from him all the way back to Adam. Uh, Queen Elizabeth can trace her lineage all the way back to Adam. A few people on earth today can trace their lineage all the way back to Adam. It's kind of interesting, and that's also another 
proponent for a young earth, uh, as you guys are going in your worldview thing, it, 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 we can see who had this kid and who had that kid, and we can trace it all the way back to Adam. Several people, many people can do that, not compared to, I mean, it's in this room, I guess, but there's a good amount of people that can do that. Uh, but it's all about him. It is not our story. It's his story. No matter what's going on in my life, it's not my story. It's not about me. It's all about him. Now, I fit into his story in a very specific way. But after all, it is his story. So my question to us tonight is where do you fit into history? Or where do you fit into his story? How does that, uh, how does that fit in your life? And how can you make that practical in your life today? So let's look at stories. And when you have stories... You have several things that are in most stories. And the more advanced the story gets, maybe more complicated, more parts you have. But the basic parts of a story, I'm going to might need some, uh, some senior high participation in this to help me define some of these terms real quick. We'll see. Uh, brother, you're going into senior high, right? It's all on you. We're, we're waiting on you to carry us through this, all right? So we'll have a few different terms. Here was, here's what they are. Number one is the protagonist of a story. Who knows what a protagonist is? Anyone help with that? So any adult, anyone, anywhere. All right in the green. What's the protagonist? I put you on the spot. Yeah. Your hand was up. Yes, ma'am. The hero. That's right. The main character of the story. So when we're talking about history, we're talking about Jesus' story. He is the protagonist. The number one problem in Christianity today is we misidentify ourselves as the protagonist of the story. I'm not the main character of the story. That's his job. That's what he does. He's the only one that has been around for all of his story. It's all about him, not about me. So we have the protagonist. Next, we have the antagonist. What is the antagonist? Anyone can help me right here in the, in the white? The villain. He's the main villain. The bad guy, Mr. BG himself, okay? He's the one that's against the protagonist. Uh, next, we have support characters. Support characters are those that either help the main character or the main villain. Every uh, great, <laughs> I heard this this last week, uh, every, behind every successful man, there is a what? There is an exhausted woman and a surprised set of in-laws. Okay, I thought that was pretty great. when I was, That was a brand new one for me, all right? But you have support characters that help the main character to get where he is going or to help the antagonist to try to take down the, uh, the, the, the protagonist here. Next, we have the confident. The, or confidant. I'm not sure how you say that. I'm not a literature major. Uh, but a confidant. He is the best friend or the sidekick. You have Batman and... Robin, all right, he is the confident. Uh, you have Robin Hood and Little John. Okay, Little John, not so little. If you've seen the movie, he's, he's going to be Big John, okay? But you have the sidekick that's right along with the main character. Every main character of a story needs someone that's there when nobody else is. Needs a sidekick. Needs someone that will help him through the rough times. Uh, everybody you have, and we can go through the list of people in the Bible, most everyone that has a main story also has a sidekick, someone that is really close to them in the story. Next, you have 
fillers. Now, these are people that really don't matter to the story. They are just there. They fill up space, but they're just there, okay? Uh, a lot of stories, and the more complex the story gets, you have lots of fillers and lots of people in lots of places, lots of moving parts in this story, and, and you can see it all tied together with these fillers. Then the last one, and it, it gets more complicated, but the last one we're going to mention tonight, this is a really cool one, okay? You have, in a good story, you have a love interest as well. Right, ladies, Hallmark movie, you're all, I can tell you the main line of a Hallmark movie from the time it opens up, all right, this guy marries her, and this is what happens with them, and done. I don't even need to watch the movie anymore. I mean, we're, we are good to go. But you have a love interest in, the, in many of the stories. Many of the stories in the Bible, you also have the same thing. So these basic parts, let's try it, okay? Um, let's look at uh, the, the, the story of David. We have David as the main character, the protagonist. The antagonist, who is the antagonist in the life of David, or in one specific spot of David? Who is it? Saul, for a, for a majority of David's life, or young life, is Saul. Another part, a very famous story, David and Goliath. He is the main villain in that story. The support for this one actually is King Saul. It's kind of weird because King Saul tries to give him his armor, tries to give him all this stuff before he got all jealous because it was in that moment when they started singing the stuff about David, making him big and making King Saul small, and uh, he got really jealous about that. So the confident turned into the main villain in the next story. Another confident that David had in that story was Jonathan. Okay, You have all these different moving parts. The love interest of David, this is really cool, is God. Man, he wanted to serve God. He loved God. Hey, who is this Philistine that he should defy the armies of? The living God. He, you are not going to talk about my God that way, buddy. I don't care how tall you may be. I'm not going to have any fear. I'm going to run towards you in spite of what you may do to me because I love, I love God. Okay, next we have Ruth. She is the protagonist. Antagonist in the book of Ruth is starvation. Do not want to die. They're in a famine. So starvation is the antagonist. Boaz is the support. The confident is Naomi. And so you have all these different things. Everyone has their place. Uh, Noah, he is the protagonist. The antagonist is the flood. The support is his family. He did not build the boat by himself. They were there helping him out with it. So you have that story. Another story, you have Adam. Now, Adam is the protagonist. The antagonist is Eve. No, no, no. No, no. <laughs> The serpent, I'm so sorry. The serpent was the, the, the antagonist there. So all these different ones fit into different places. In Jesus' story, in, in history, in the whole thing altogether, Jesus is the protagonist. The antagonist is Satan. He's the one that's against Jesus. No matter what Jesus does, Satan's against him. No matter what good thing Jesus puts out there, Satan puts out something twisted and perverted that, that represents it. No matter what Jesus is trying to do in our lives, the devil's trying to sit here and wreck it and mess the whole thing up. He is completely and 100% against Jesus. Knowing that he cannot hurt Jesus, he tries to hurt us because he knows that Jesus loves us. So the protagonist is Jesus, antagonist is Satan. The support, here's the cool thing. The authorities that God places in our lives are the support that he gives us to go through this story. So we're all on the same team, going the same direction. The confident is God. He ever intercedes for us to God. And here's the coolest part about this whole story. Okay, The greatest part about the story of Jesus is the role that we get to play in his story. I'm not the main character. It does not all depend on me. Thank the Lord, because if it's that way... Uh, if I was Noah, we'd be extinct, okay? It, it would have not happened very well. But we are not the main character. We do, however, have a really awesome special part to play in his story. You know what we are? 
We're the bride of Christ. We are the love interest of Jesus. He loves us. For what reason, I will never know. But he knows us. He knows what we've done. He knows what we will do. He accepts us like we are and loves us anyway. I mean, that is really, really incredible. And if you would learn, and if I would learn to play that role in his story, my life would turn out totally different than what I might have imagined it. Now, think about it. If you're the main story of your life, if you're, you know, you're trying to make your life the best thing in the world, and you're living your life doing what you want to do, and it's all about you and what decisions you make and what major you choose, what direction in life you're going to go, man, you're missing out. You're missing out on everything because it's not about you. Your life is going to be done. It's not going to last very long. I'm sorry to tell you, but the Bible says 70, maybe 80 years by reason of strength, then it's over, okay? His life never ends. His life keeps on going. And if I can play my role correctly in his story, I will be happier than anything else that I could possibly be, uh, anything else I could possibly do. You could take a blank piece of paper and write in it everything that you want out of life, everything that you would like to accomplish. I would like to do this. I would like to be this. I would like to have this. I would like to be known for you know, whatever it is. You can have this whole thing written up, and it could not compare to just being who God created you to be by allowing him to express his love to you, by just living your role, by letting him make the decisions, by letting him set the direction, by letting him take all the risks and me just following. I mean, you, you look at the life of a missionary sometimes, you, it's crazy, it's nuts, okay? I was talking to the brother right here, some things just do not make sense. You want me to do what? Where? No, no way. This is not going to work. But it's not up to me. I just need to follow. He said, do this, and I don't need to understand the whole workings of the everything. I need to be wise, but I don't, I don't need to understand everything about it. I just need to be fully convinced that that's what God told me to do and take steps that direction. And, and it'll work. <laughs> like the, the, the priests going down into the Jordan River. They're getting ready to cross the Jordan River. They're holding the Ark of the Covenant. They're getting ready to walk in. They have no idea what's going on. They're just obeying. They're taking one step at a time. And eventually, once they get down there, they're, they're, they're walking down into the river. But as they take steps down, the water level never rises on their legs. It's like, what, what is going By the time they get down to the middle of the river, there is no more water. It didn't have to make sense to them. They just had to obey. They had to be going the same direction that he's going and just doing what he says. So... How can we live our role as the love interest of God? God loves us. I mean, that, that's a fact. How can we respond to that? How can we live our lives the right way? Well, number one, realize that it's not about me. It's all about him. I have got to come to that realization. I have to get there. If I'm ever going to live my role correctly, I have to resign myself to the idea that my life is about me. It's not my life. It's his. What? No, you're not. That you're not your own. That you're bought with a price. Hey, he already owns us. He loves us. He bought us. He owns us. It's not my life anymore. It's not about me and what I can get out of my life. It's all about him. Realize that. Make a decision about it. You've got to get to this place. If you're ever going to live for God the right way, 
you've got to get to this place where you tell God, everything right here, it's all yours. I'm not keeping anything back. Nothing about my body, nothing about my music, nothing about my friends, nothing about my authorities, nothing about me am I holding back. See, whenever you get saved, God comes and lives inside of you. You don't ever get any more of God than the moment you got saved. The question is, how much of you does God have throughout your Christian life? Are you holding things back from him? Are you holding back your music? Are you holding back your friends? No, I'm going to do this because I want to do this with my life, live my life the way I would like to live my life. Are you holding back from him? Fullness and the Holy Spirit and control of the Holy Spirit isn't because I get more of him. It's because I yield more of myself to him. He gets more of me. So I've got to get to that point where I realize it, where I accept it, and I vocalize it to him. God, I am yours. No reservations, no hidden agenda, no uh, strings attached, just yours, 100%. Number two, how can I play my role in his story? Everything that I do should be to please him. Everything I do. All right, now, ladies, I'm not a lady, so I can't speak uh, from your mindset, okay? But I know in a, in a right relationship between a husband and a, and a wife, God gives the man the direction for the family. He tells him, this is what I want you guys to do. He calls a man to a ministry, and he calls a woman to the man. It works that way. And she follows him, and they serve God together. Now, what she does, and, and I, this is going to sound really, really machismo is the, the word in Spanish, but it's not meant to be that way, okay? God works through a man and gives him a direction, and everything this lady does is in support of that team. Uh, behind every great man is that exhausted woman. <laughs> it's, uh, there's my exhausted woman right there, okay? We, we had a nap this afternoon. I tell you what, we were, we were in a different world. It was, it was, I woke up not knowing what day it was, okay? We, it, was, it was great, okay? But we, we work together. Us as the bride of Christ or the love interest of Christ, everything I do ought to be to please Christ, to please the, the, the one that has betrothed us to him. Now, a, a good husband will not take the privileges that God has given him and abuse his wife with them. No, absolutely not. But just like Christ laid himself down for the church, a husband is supposed to lay himself down for his wife and prefer his wife above his own needs. And when you have a wife that is, that is uh, doing her role as a wife and a husband that is loving her in the way that Christ loved the church, you have this picture of heaven on earth that is a really awesome family to be able to grow up in for your kids. It is, it's, it's really, really good. Whenever we live our lives as Christians, that same way, everything about my life ought to please God. It should be done because it pleases Him. I shouldn't do things that I like just because I like them. Everything I do, every word I say, uh, we have five areas of responsibility. You know about this, right? My words, my thoughts, my actions, my motives, my attitudes, everything about me that I get to choose is in those five things. Everything about me, all those five things, every time should be to please him. I'm going to do this because it pleases him. I'm going to think about this because it pleases him. I'm going to have this attitude because it pleases him. Everything in my Christian life, every choice I get to make ought to be made 
Not because it pleases me. Not because I like it. Not because it's something that I enjoy. It should be because it pleases Him. Now, God is so good to us that when we please Him, it also in turn pleases us. Man, I like this life. I, I'm kind of satisfied with life right here. This is a pretty good life that God has given me. And He's given it to me because I've tried to please Him. Uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, nor either hath entered into the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love Him. If I express my love to Him by obedience and doing things that please Him, He's got this, this life that He will give us. And I'm not, I'm not talking about a prosperity gospel. You will still have problems, okay? It will still come. But the life that He gives you, the life that He offers, not even when we get to heaven, before that, right now, can be better than have entered into the heart of man, better than you have possibly imagined. If you play your role the right way for them that love him not for them that make it happen for themselves not for them that go out and are the main character of their story no if i play my role as the love interest of christ god loves me i'm going to love him back just doing that will get me that life that he has planned for me he wants me to have it all i have to do is do my role everything i should do should be to please him number three everything i do should be to support him he has a goal in life. He has a goal in his story. He wants, uh, what is it that, that the Son of Man came to the earth to do? To seek and to save that which was lost. He has a goal for humanity. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He wants everybody in heaven with him. That's his goal. That's why he came. That's why he lived. That's why he died. He said, what? Shall, you know, we're talking to Peter. Peter said, you're not going to go to the cross. He said, no, no. This, for this cause came I into the world. I came to die on the cross. That is the purpose. That's the point. That's everything he's doing is to, to get there. Everything in my life should be in support of his main goal. Whatever he wants out of life, I should live my life to, to, to do that. All right, so Jesus is not here right now. He's gone. He went to heaven. Physically rose. That's a cool different story, by the way. But he's there right now. He is not on earth. We are. We are supposed to be living in his name. When we pray in Jesus' name, it's not supposed to be this phrase that we say to make things magically happen. No, no. We pray for things the way that he would if he was living in our situation. That's what to pray in Jesus' name means, okay? Uh, I'm supposed to live my life in his name. Uh, if Jesus were alive in my situation, living my life, walking in my shoes, what would he do? How would he live life? Where would he go? What decisions would he make? What goals would he have? This is what he would do. Because if he were here, this is how he would choose it. Because it supports his goal. My life should be lived in support of whatever it is that he wants to get done through life. Uh, seeing lost people saved, that's the main thing. And everything else in support of that ought to be to bring him glory for supporting his cause. Everything I do. No. <laughs> filter that. Filter your life. If you could put... Every action that you take in one day, just try it, right? You know, you're not going to be able to put everything in there, but just think a few different things that I did yesterday. Not today, because today is Sunday. We don't count Sunday, okay? Let's count Saturday. See what happens Saturday. Everything I did Saturday. But, Pastor, that's my day. You know, Saturday is my day. It's the one day that I have to do what I need to do. Here's the problem, okay? But if we put all the things that we did, even today, everything that I did, was it in support of him? 
wasn't in support of his goals. It wasn't in support of my goals. Things I wanted to do. Things I wanted to accomplish in my life. For what reason am I doing things for? Are they in support of me or support of him? Number four, we should all pull together for the hero of our story. Remember, it's not our story. Each of us has a story. This is true. But that story correlates to his. It's all about him. So imagine this. Look at this. In this church, I'm not sure how many people there are here tonight. Maybe 50, 70 people, somewhere around there. But if we had all these people here who would get the idea of it's not about me. I am in support of him. And if we could get 70 people just one day to try to do things that would support his cause and to do what he wants to do and to accomplish things that he wanted, there is no telling what you guys could do in one day if you just get behind it and pull together. If you would get a mentality of unity, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. One mindset. It's not about me doing my thing or me having my way or me doing what I want. No, I'm going to forget all that. I'm going to resign everything that I want, and I'm going to pull together with my brothers and sisters in Christ because we all understand it's not about us. We all understand it's about him. So I don't care what disagreement I might have with somebody. I might not care what I want out of life or, or how I want to live my life or how I want anything about me. I'm going to get with my brothers and sisters in Christ, and we are going to pull. And like, um, I think it was Lancaster that has this thing of striving together. I'm going to pull together for that direction. If we all could get on the same page, oh, my word. I know we're in a Baptist church. I know, I know. It gets a little difficult out there, all right? I get it. But if we could all get on the same page, follow the direction of our pastor, and pull the same direction, there is no telling what you guys could do. Just, just the one sitting in this room right now, there is no telling. But I'm too old. No, you're not. But I'm too young. No, you're not. All of us on the same page, pulling the same direction, it is, it is got no limits what the body of Christ can accomplish when the mind of Christ is in control. It is incredible what God can do through a local church. It's, okay, don't have enough time, all right? Pull together. Don't let things divide you. Don't let petty issues, petty things that really at the end of the day really don't matter. Okay, that's the main character, not me, not you, not pastor, it's Jesus. So let's pull together, forget everything else and pull together with him. Uh, number next, realize that things people do against me is really Satan trying to get to Jesus. Jesus loves you. Anytime somebody hurts you, it's not because they're against you. They're a tool Satan used. You all remember 9-11, right? This was the weapon. That was it. That's all there was. There was no guns. There was none of that. Box knives. When somebody goes to hurt you, they're just a tool. That's all they are. They're being used by somebody. They're in the hand of the antagonist. The main villain, the bad guy. Satan's using them. Even if it's another brother in Christ. Even if it's someone, King David said it this way, if it was an enemy, it wouldn't have affected me so much, but it was you, it was my friend. 
my brother. We went to the house of the Lord together. We worshiped together. It hurt so much because you were my closest friend. Even when it is that, it's, it's not about you. They're not hurting you to hurt you. It's not even them. It's Satan behind them. Using them, manipulating them. And we've all been through our share of hurts. I've been through my share of hurts. But we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers, against principalities, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. It is Satan that's in control. So when someone does something against you, don't worry about it. Respond the right way. Hey, it's not about me. Kill me if you want. Take me out of the story. It's his story. I'm going to live my life in the way that he wants me to live it. If he were in my shoes, I'm going to live my life in support of him. So do what you want to do to me. Say what you want to say about me. Act how you want to act towards me. I'm just going to keep on living for him and respond the right way. When you respond the right way to a tool that Satan is using to get against you, you know what happens? They cannot keep doing it. You heap coals of fire on their head and they say, man, I, I can't handle this anymore. And it's done. I've had people, <laughs> people that have been against us years and years ago. We were, we were working somewhere and there was this lady that just got something against us. Oh my word, she was upset. And for a year and a half, a year and a half, she, she, she was against us. I mean, we worked together every day, and she was vehemently against us. But we kept on doing right. We kept on trying to love them, kept on uh, bringing them Starbucks every morning whenever we came to, to church. When we, we brought that, we, we, everything that we could do, we would try to do. And eventually, they became great friends. It turned, okay, because we tried to live the way he would want us to live. It's not about us. I don't need to take them an offense. I don't need to take it personally. Q-tip, Pastor Ray always says this. Q-tip, quit taking it personally, okay? Not about you. It's all about him. And when we live our lives that way, it works out well. One last thing. Trust that he is able and that he will do what is best for me because he loves me. All right, now, this is the last concept we're getting today, all right? You have an all-powerful God. All-powerful Nothing is too hard for him. Just let that sink in for a second. No matter what it is. I mean, Sarah was, what, 90? <laughs> Nothing is too hard for God, okay? You have an all-knowing God, okay? He knows what is best. He knows that if he allows this in your life, this is going to be the result, he knows that, like a baker, whenever you put eggs and flour and salt, none of those things taste good individually like they are. But when you put them all together, oh, man, you get some good bread that just sounds so oh, good stuff. All right, I've got a food thing. I'm not sure if you've noticed that or not. But he, he knows all these things. The all-powerful, able to do anything God, all-knowing, knows exactly what is best for you, loves you. Put all those things together. He is going to do what is best for you because he's able and because he loves you. You just have to trust him with it. You don't have to control things. You don't have to be in charge of them and make sure life happens the way. You... No, no, I'm not the main character. I'm not the hero. You're not the hero. He is. And because he knows it and he, he knows how to do it because I'm the love interest, it's going to work out really, really well for me. I just have to play my role.
All right, let's finish. Dear Lord, thank you for all that you've given to us tonight. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for those that are in church tonight, Father, and uh, making it a point to come together to hear your word. Now, please help us tonight as we, we examine what we've heard. Please help us to examine our lives and to, to look and see if there's anything in our lives that we might be living in the wrong role, trying to live our lives the wrong way, even if it's in good things, but that we might have the right motive and the right mindset. Let's all stand with Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our service. If you would like to hear more, visit our website at bbc4me.org. That's bbc, the number four, me.org. May God bless you.